I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head. A safe place to hide a hurting heart. A gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. We are collecting Christmas stories again this year. Just uh, stories, things that may have happened to you or stories that you've heard about Christmas or uh, jokes or whatever. Uh, You've probably got a couple of those tucked away someplace, so I'd appreciate it if you'd drop me a note, send them along to me. The address is dick at dicksummer.com. Also, right up at the top of the beginning tonight, I want to remind you about Pick a Person. Pick a Person is a very simple idea. All you have to do to pick a person is to look around in your group of acquaintances and pick out one person who you figure not too many people are going to pay much attention to over the course of the holiday and pay attention to that person. That's all. Doesn't need to be a big deal. Uh, buy them a cupcake for Christmas or you know, something or just you know, give them an extra little smile. But this Christmas, do that. Pick a person, okay? And um, when you do, let me know about it. I'd really like to know what you're doing this Christmas. Proud podcast participant Jim Duran sent a Christmas note so tasteless that I knew that you'd want to hear it. It seems Santa Claus was absolutely ripped because Mrs. Claus had burned all the Christmas cookies. The elves were griping about their HMO. Uh, He had just noticed that one of the runners on his sled was bent And he started yelling, I can't believe it. i got to deliver millions of presents all over the world. And look at this mess. I don't even have my own Christmas tree. I sent that stupid little angel out hours ago to find the tree, and he isn't back yet. And just then, the little angel comes in the front door and steps in the place with a tree, and he says, Hark, where do you want me to stick the Christmas tree this year? And that's how we got the tradition of the angel on top of the Christmas tree. I know it's an old bit, but it's wonderful, and Jim and I figured it was tasteless enough to get you interested. You hear a whole lot about angels at this time of the year, especially herald angels. They're sort of the musicians, I guess. And I've kind of had it with angels getting all the attention and us getting none of the attention. And you know why herald angels get all the attention and we don't get any? I figured out it is the word hark. That word gets your attention. Now, I like attention. I guess that's probably why I spent so many years on the radio. The attention and the girls, those are the two things that you get for being on the radio. I even met the girl who is now my lady wonder wench because I was on the radio. She was in charge of the program log at the station that I worked at in Boston. And I used to screw up the log on purpose because I knew she'd have to come into the studio and And she'd throw me one of those, what is the matter with you kind of looks. You don't like girls give you? (laughs) And those big baby blues would be turned up to stun, you know. And and she'd look down at the logbook and and she'd hide behind that curtain of long, soft brown hair and fix the mess that I'd made. I actually caught her sneaking a look at me, sneaking a look at her one day. She thought I couldn't see her behind that hair. Of course, if I were a little faster in the head, I would have said, hark. <laughs> but say some naturally occurring chemicals originating in places somewhat lower than my head always seemed to kind of hinder my thinking when she was around. 
But as usual, I digress. How, you will ask, can I work the word hark into my everyday conversation, thereby becoming more herald angelic and getting more attention and girls? Or if you are a girl, you're probably thinking, how can I work the word hark into my everyday conversation, thereby becoming more herald angelic and getting the attention of every guy within earshot? Well, here's how you do it. Have you ever noticed that when most of us are asked a question, we almost always start our answer with the word, well, I just did it with, with that answer. I said, well, have you ever noticed? See, even people on TV do it. Like you, you've heard, for example, uh, well, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow, Al? And then Al says, well, probably nice if it doesn't snow or rain, you know. Even here in the hospitals where nobody's really well, my buddy Al had a serious operation the other day, and fortunately it was successful. And we know that because when we asked the doctor, the doctor said, well, he's going to get well. <laughs> yeah, we all fall down this well. So that's, I think that's the answer. And, and Big Louie, his own bad self, uh, he agrees because he, he always tells the members of the Louie Louie generation, say the hell with well, light a spark with hark. Think about what that word hark did for Jamie Lee Curtis's father, Tony. I don't know if you remember or not, but he played the part of an Arab sheik in one of those movies he was in. And he uttered that unforgettable line. He said, Hawk, yonder lies the castle of my father. <laughs> and everybody said, yeah, yeah, Tony, go, baby. <laughs> if it weren't for that Brooklyn translation of the word hark, Tony would be totally forgotten. Except, of course, for the fact that he is Jamie Lee Curtis's father. <laughs> And think about how absolutely classy Rocky Balboa could have been if instead of saying, yo, he said, hark. You know, hark is, is one of the reasons the Herald Angels get away with rhyming proclaim with Bethlehem. And they do sing the song. You'll hear it. When you start a statement with the word hark, you can say almost anything you like after it because people are so astonished. Try it. Hark, I'd like a raise. Hark, I found lipstick on your collar. Hark, I'm pregnant. Hark, I get fired. Of course, saying hark is not the only way to get attention uh, when the weather outside is frightful. By, uh, you can get attention also by, by going around dressed in your gay apparel, telling one and all fa-la-la-la-la. That'll get you some attention. <laughs> Another way to get your attention is to feed your guests roasted chestnuts. You know, chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Have you ever tasted those things? Yuck. Going for a ride in a one-horse open sleigh will do it, too, especially if you're going for a ride in a one-horse open sleigh on US-95. You get people's attention. They'll lean out the windows and say things like hark to you and other things, too. But hark... Maybe it's because I'm an ex-radio guy, but as much as I hate to keep harping on it, and as much as I wish them well, I see no reason at all why the Herald Angels should get all the attention, and the girls, for that matter. Especially when you think about it, angels are bodiless creatures 
that spend all of their time harping on everything. So, you know, they have absolutely no use for the girls. What a waste. Dick's Details, a bunch of fascinating but totally unimportant stuff for you to stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important stuff that's keeping you awake out the other ear and you can nod off to sleep comfortably. The church says St. Nicholas is no longer a saint. I don't ask your kids about that. And with the latest shopping results in, the uh, Treasury Department says, ho, 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 yes, he is. Johnny Carson used to say there's only one fruitcake. Nobody likes it, so everybody just sends it around to everybody else. For the record, I like fruitcake. Hark, if you have the fruitcake, send it to me, all right? And do you know what Adam said on the day before Christmas? Adam said, it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> I'm sorry. Dicks the tails. They take your mind off your mind. A little quick housekeeping thing here, if you don't mind. If you like this podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would forward it to a couple of friends of yours, okay? It's just a very good way to um, get the group to grow a little. Thanks a lot. My Lady Wonder Wench and I go to an all-night diner pretty often. And a few years ago, we were on the way home at about 5 o'clock in the morning after a Christmas Eve visit to my mom and dad in Brooklyn. And our waitress had a big smile and a Merry Christmas for us, despite the time and the, and the day. Her name was Dolores. And she started telling us how grateful she was for a wonderful year. Now, we know Dolores. She is a single mom. And we know that she was out sick for a couple of months this year. And Alex, the, the guy who owns the diner, kept her job open for her. And he helped to see to it that she had food while she was out of work. And I think about that a lot. I think about Dolores this time of year. Because I have my Lady Wonder Wench. I have family and friends who care about me. And I have a nice home. I even have a little airplane. And I still complain sometimes until I think about Dolores. Dolores reminds me of another single mom I knew. Her story's in the personal audio CD called Night Connections. Since very early this morning, you've been looking at that rose, bravely poking its soft, beautiful, fragrant head out of the soda bottle on your kitchen countertop. You're a private duty nurse, a single mother a graduate school student. That's three full-time careers that you have to juggle without dropping or missing any part of any one of them. It's tough. You've been stopping at a convenience store halfway into the early morning commute to grab a cup of coffee. It keeps your eyes open and your mind in gear so that you can get home safely from your all-night nursing job. The young guy at the counter can't take his eyes off you. He looks like he's in his early 20s. It's almost funny, but not quite. Even if you wanted to, you don't have time to get involved. And that's true, but it's also an excuse. The intensity of your own sensuality has always frightened you a little bit. Your body used to scream so loud for touches and being held and making love that you couldn't hear your mind warning you about 
consequences and guilt. Sensuality speaks in its own language. It uses words like unbutton, unfold, unashamed, breath, sweat, caress, unprotected. But your husband kept pretending that he didn't hear. This morning, the guy behind the counter just said, Here, I'd really like you to have this. And he gave you that, Rose. And then he blushed and he looked down at the counter. And you went on automatic right there in front of all the other customers. You kissed his cheek. Then you smiled and you left. And your legs were moving like silk. You haven't felt that way in a long time. All the way home, you let yourself pretend that you were the heroine in a romance novel, kind with a pink cover and a big caption that says, Her thighs went tight against his, his strength drowning in her delicious wet fire. This is a novel of soaring spirit and tender flesh, a story of passions, hot and cold, salty and sweet, hard and soft, slippery and strong. And you stopped to think about it, and it made you giggle. For a long time, the sexiest thing you've done was just eat a dish of rich ice cream slowly. And that makes you begin to wonder if you could take a lesson from that rose and let your head pop up bravely out of all of the feelings you've kept bottled up. Once upon a time, you felt fragrant and beautiful and soft. And since very early this morning, you've been thinking, maybe you could again. It's a simple story called A Single Rose. It's from the personal audio CD called Night Connections. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast, or if you want a fresh copy, you can just go back to DickSummer.com and download it, whatever works for you. We've been collecting Christmas stories for a number of years right now. Let me give you one that came in a year or two ago from um, a proud podcast participant by the name of Bill Everlino. Bill said, quote, I thought it would be a nice idea to bring a date to my parents' house on Christmas Eve. I thought it would be interesting for a non-Italian girl to see how an Italian family spends the holidays. I thought my mother and my date would hit it off like partridges and pear trees. So I was wrong. Sue me. I'd only known Karen for three weeks when I extended the invitation. Quote, I know these family things can be a little weird, I told her, but my folks are great and we always have a lot of fun on Christmas Eve. End quote. Karen said, sounds fine to me. I'd only known my mother for 31 years when I told her I'd be bringing Karen with me. She's a very nice girl and she's really looking forward to meeting all of you. I said, my mother said, sounds fine to me. And that was that. Two telephone calls. Two sounds fine to me. What more could I want? I should point out, I suppose, that in Italian households, Christmas Eve is the social event of the season, an Italian woman's raison d'etre. She cleans, she cooks, she bakes, she orchestrates every minute of the night. I should also point out that when it comes to the kind of women that make Italian men go nuts, Karen is it. She doesn't clean, she doesn't cook, she doesn't bake. And she has the largest breasts I have ever seen on a human being. But I brought her anyway. 7 p.m. we arrive. Karen and I walk in and putter around for a half an hour, waiting for the other guests to show up. During that half hour, my mother grills Karen like a cheeseburger and cannily determines that Karen does not clean, cook, or bake. 
My father is equally observant. He pulls me into the living room and, and notes, She has the largest breasts I've ever seen in a human being. 7.30 p.m. Others arrive. Uncle Ziti walks in with my Aunt Malfaldi, assorted kids, assorted gifts. We sit around the dining room table for adipasto, symmetrically composed platter of lettuce, roasted peppers, black olives, salami, prosciutto, provolone, and anchovies. When I offer to make Karen's plate, she says, well, Thank you, but none of those things, okay? She points to the anchovies. You don't like anchovies, I ask? I don't like fish, Karen announces, as 67 other varieties are baking, broiling, and simmering in the next room. My mother makes the sign of the cross, and things are getting uncomfortable. Aunt Malfaldi asks Karen what, what her family eats on Christmas Eve. Karen says, <laughs> Not worst. <laughs> My father, who is still staring in a daze at Karen's chest, temporarily snaps out of it to murmur, <laughs> Knockers? <laughs> My mother kicks him so hard he gets a blood clot. <laughs> None of this is turning out the way I'd hoped. 8 p.m., second course. The spaghetti and crab sauce is on the way to the table. Karen declines the crab sauce, says she'll make her own with butter and ketchup. My mother asks me to join her in the kitchen. I take my Merry Christmas napkin from my lap, place it on the Merry Christmas tablecloth, and walk into the kitchen. I don't want to start any trouble, my mother says calmly, clutching a bottle of ketchup in her hands. But if she pours this on my pasta, I'm going to... Th <laughs> I can't finish this. <laughs> Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I...